Welcome to another edition of the Hawk Off the Press podcast. I'm your host, Gazette Hawkeyes reporter, John Seppi. I am joined somewhere along beautiful I-80 by the one and only Mike Haas, who is on his way to, well, to an airport to then fly to Buffalo for Iowa's March Madness games. Mike, thanks for joining me. Thanks, and I'm on I-88 for, you know, the, the sake of accuracy, and this is not something <laughs> I would normally do because I think the Eastern Iowa Airport is one of the finest airports in America, but it just worked out that I have to fly out of O'Hare to Buffalo. Nobody cares, and let's proceed. Okay, so glad we got that clear. That's beautiful I-88. So... First of all, it's been a pretty incredible last week here for Iowa men's basketball, you know, winning the Big Ten title. Yeah, well, it's been actually an incredible, I would say, five or six weeks. They were four and six in the Big Ten, and they were spinning their wheels. They had four straight games where they couldn't shoot. Uh, They lost a couple of road games out east to Rutgers and Penn State that they felt they had no business losing, and I think if we were in the middle of a malaise in the fan base about this team, it's just there was no reason to be interested in them or excited about them, no reason to believe that they were going anywhere or were going to do anything significant. Uh, that is an opinion that has changed considerably. Yeah, and, you know, I kind of have this picture in my head of that one game where you tweeted the photo of the student section, where it was incredibly empty. And to think now that this is the Big Ten tournament champions and a popular pick to go pretty far in the tournament is a pretty incredible turnaround. Yeah, in a way... It's sort of sad that more people didn't get to see Keegan Murray. Uh, yeah. the, opportunity, the opportunity was there, and, and it wasn't as if he wasn't great from the very beginning of the season. He was. Uh, but for various reasons, attendance just never got got going at Carver-Hawkeye. There were a few games where they drew well, but overall it was it was a lot less than I thought it would be considering that there was no basketball in person last year. And I thought people would come just, just to see live basketball again, but a combination of factors, what I just talked about that people weren't really overwhelmed by the team. Secondly, the starting times of many of the games were so terrible and the weeknights they were played on and the season went fast. And the, the, the you know, the people, didn't know that this was a really good team until it was late in the season. So there will be a lot of people who I think will regret I didn't get down there once or twice or once or twice more to see Murray in person. Oh, yeah, because that's not really a talent you get every day. You know, and the thing, too, that's impressive is while he's the one who's kind of this generational talent, Chris Murray has also been pretty good lately and really helping out in this late turnaround. Yeah, Chris has been good almost all season. He averages 10 points a game off the bench. Uh, you don't get many players who average 10 points off the bench. He's not playing huge minutes, and his, his role is critical. 
not just giving them some offense, but helping provide defense on big guys and uh, just being a positive force in the rotation overall. He certainly hasn't been his brother, but his brother's more experienced in college basketball. However, you know, the uh, the leap in, in growth that Chris has made to me parallels his brothers. His brothers went from seven points a game last year to 23. Well, last year, Chris barely got on the court. He goes from barely on the court as a freshman to 10 points a game as a sophomore. That's a huge leap in major college basketball. So the, it, the story is the Murray's. It's just a Keegan's headline. Oh, yeah. And then I have to ask, what was it like seeing Jordan Bohannon bank that shot in? You know, I love the headline there of um, his bank was too big to fail. Ah, thanks. That was mine. Uh, I, I'm not real big on getting too cute with, oh, I don't know, puns or anything like that. And every time somebody makes a bank shot, oh, did he call bank? The bank was open, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but, I mean, look, you couldn't describe the shot without mentioning bank. So I thought, okay, let's try and find a different spin on this. <laughs> and really an incredible shot, too, where, you know, that's not the most high percentage look, but whatever works. It was It was desperate. And it wasn't the way you would have drawn it up. But, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. And when you're a good shooter, you do know how to shoot the ball straight. Uh, so uh, it wasn't entirely a fluke. I mean, he he put the ball on the line. He got the carom. Yeah. And now the rest is history. Instant lore, as you called it. Yeah, and it is. I mean, it's just one of those moments. You don't get a lot of them. But it is one of those moments in a program's athletic history that's indelible, that people will be talking about a generation from now. Like, you go way back to 1987 when Kevin Gamble made a late shot that beat Oklahoma and sent Iowa into the Elite Eight. Uh, How many shots have there been between that and Sunday in Indianapolis, uh, I can't think of any. You know, it's, it's people's compared to Tate to Holloway, and I think it's uh, that's a, you know an ex- extremely good comparison. That's yeah, that's some pretty good company to be in. Yeah, it's just one of those moments that everybody who saw it and is an Iowa fan is going to remember where they were, who they were with, how they felt. And it's going to stay with them. And then kind of moving forward here to the NCAA tournament, first game Richmond on Thursday, and then the winner of Providence and South Dakota State on Saturday if they beat Richmond. Seems like Richmond is a team, though, that you can't really overlook. You can't look, uh, you can't overlook anybody in this tournament. And I, I know that's a cliche, but it's <laughs> It's fact, they're all good teams. They're, yeah. all, they're all motivated teams. They're all teams who want to keep playing, who, who want to make the absolute most of this. Nobody goes into an NCAA tournament uh, blasé. 
that doesn't mean that teams might not play well, but they want to. Uh, this Richmond team showed that it wanted very dearly to be in the NCAA tournament. It was 10 and 8 going into the uh, 10 and 8 in the Atlantic 10. Sixth place team has to win four games in four days to get an NCAA bid. It's the only way it gets in. And it showed that it wanted it. Uh, so it did what Iowa did. It won four games in four days. Three of those games were extremely close. They needed uh, to come from, I think, five points down with a minute ten left to beat a really good Davidson team Sunday to win the Atlantic 10 championship. And it's a team to be taken extremely seriously. And I, and I know that Iowa, you know, its mission is to get its feet back on the ground because Sunday turns into Thursday very quickly. And you can't be looking to, okay, what if we win Thursday and who do we play Saturday and what if we win that? You can't. You can't or you'll lose. Uh, the NCAA tournament history is absolutely full of games like Richmond beating Iowa. And the Hawkeyes have to show up. It's one of these deals where it's not, you know, Indianapolis and 16 or 18,000 people. It's Buffalo, New York. It's a Thursday afternoon. The place will probably be half empty. There won't <laughs> If there are fans, they'll root for Richmond. And the atmosphere will be one of those deals where the team's got to provide all the motivation by itself because there's not going to be help from the stands. So it's a different world. And, and, and how you come out and address that from the get-go is critical because the longer you let a, a Richmond hang around, uh, the more peril you're going to put yourself in. And also, you were mentioning getting their feet on the ground. Their feet have been doing a lot of work lately. If I'm doing my math right, that's to me their fifth game in an eight-day period. Now, that's a lot of wear and tear to be starting the tournament in. It is, but Richmond's in the exact same boat. Uh, Iowa's a deeper team than Richmond. I mean, Iowa played 12 guys Sunday. Uh, uh, Murray, I believe, was the only guy who played more than 26 or 27 minutes, Keegan Murray. Uh, and so, the stamina is not going to be a problem. It's not going to be a problem at all. If Keegan Murray needs to play 40 minutes every game from here on out, he'll do it. <laughs> uh, you know, that, that's not the issue. The issue is continuing to play well, be well prepared, well scouted, and to do the things that they've been doing over the last 14 games. And then at the risk of looking ahead, which obviously comes at its own peril this time of year, but it seems like it's a relatively favorable, as NCAA tournament standards go, a relatively favorable path to a potential Sweet 16 spot with then the winner of Providence or South Dakota State I think two teams that Iowa probably would feel pretty good about matchup-wise, especially when you look at some of the analytics or Providence. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to an extent. I, I haven't – I've been just swimming in this since Sunday afternoon, and I haven't looked at the other brackets. So I don't know the other situations that five seeds are in. But I do agree with the premise that this is – uh, maybe not as imposing as it could be. 
but who cares because, as I said, Richmond is somebody you're certainly to be foolish to take lightly. Providence and South Dakota State are excellent teams. Uh, they, I know I sound like a coach saying that, but they are. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, Providence I won the Big East regular season title. Yeah, and that's a, a, a terrific basketball conference. It may, may be better than the ACC this year. Yeah, I would say it is. Granted, I'm a Marquette alum, so take that well, for what it's worth. I'm mean, 25 and 5, and you say, yeah, they got squashed by Creighton in the Big East tournament. Okay, you got a bad game. No. Over, over 30 games, they won 25 games. They're good. Uh, I can't give you a breakdown on why they're good because I've never seen them play. But <laughs> they're good. You know, they're the Big East regular season champions. They're good, and they may not win Thursday. They play yeah. South Dakota State. I hope they don't from a selfish point of view because they're playing South Dakota State, which has, and I'm writing a story about it, it's going to be in the Gazette here in the next 24 hours, I believe, about how much South Dakota State depends on Iowans. Uh, South Dakota State has won its last 21 games. It is 30 and four. It's uh, it has in its eight-man rotation, four of its players are from Iowa, and wow. one of them one of them is from Cedar Rapids, a reserve guard named Matt Mims from Xavier High School. These guys are good. Uh, First-team all-league player named Doug Wilson uh, played at Kirkwood three years ago, Kirkwood Community College in Cedar Rapids. So did uh, a player named Luke Appel. I assume it's Appel. It might be Apple. Uh, he's from Marshalltown. He played at Kirkwood. And he's the Summit League sixth man of the year. Uh, uh, an assistant coach of South Dakota State is Brian Peterson. He was a player and a, a staff member at Iowa State. He was the head coach at Kirkwood for six years, won two national championships, and he's been on their staff for three years. Uh, it is full of Iowa, and they are really good. They're, they are one of the best shooting teams in America. Uh, they just win and win and win, and their team's loaded with guys who've done nothing but win. And uh, they're only underdogs against Providence by, by, I think, two or two and a half points. So that first yeah. game should be really good and if Iowa does beat Richmond, Iowa is going to have its hands full on Saturday. Yeah. And with Providence, I've seen a little bit of them and that's a dangerous team. Nate Watson, a really quality big man who's a senior. Al Durham, you know, a really good guard, also a senior. They have a lot of veteran players who have played a lot of Big East games. And with the Big East, they play that double round robin where when you get through that, you've kind of seen it all because you have to play each team twice. So, you know, that's not an easy team either. Yeah. And, uh, okay, you can tell me. I know UCLA is one of the other four seeds. I can't tick off the other two right now. But I'd rather play Providence than UCLA. Uh, oh, yeah. I, and, and I'm sorry I should know this stuff. I don't. I don't have it at my fingertips. But I'm, I'm sure that of the four four seeds, 
you know, the other three are as imposing or maybe a little more so than Providence, but it just doesn't matter. The Friars are good. The Jackrabbits of South Dakota State are good. And it, it, it is only normal to say, how does Iowa get to Chicago for the Sweet 16? And you can certainly see it. I mean, Iowa's been playing and beating some of the better teams in the country lately. Yeah. But but it just takes one 40-minute set to throw that into chaos. And uh, to me, the trick is Iowa did a lot of celebrating after Sunday, and understandably so. <laughs> but I think it's a team that can then, okay, we're done, you know. On to the next one. And this is uh, what works for the Hawkeyes, I believe, is the hunger to actually do something in an NCAA tournament for a change. The, this pro, uh, Under Fran McCaffrey, they've never been as far as the Sweet 16, never saw the second week. In fact, the program hasn't, the entire program hasn't been to a Sweet 16 since 1999. And the number of programs that have been to Sweet 16 in that time could fill a phone book, <laughs> including Iowa State two or three times, Northern Iowa, a whole lot of schools ahead of Iowa. Uh, this is a program starved to win a couple of games and, and get a real taste of this tournament for a change, and I think that really works in its favor. And to put that 1999 in perspective there, March 1999, I was one year old. So that tells you how much time has passed. That says that you're still way too young to be doing this. <laughs> still be in daycare and somebody needs to keep an eye on you. <laughs> well, to your point earlier about the other four seeds, UCLA is one of them. They're ranked eighth in Ken Palm. Illinois is a four seed. They're ranked 17th, and Arkansas is ranked 20th. And then you go down to Providence, they're 49th. So all yeah, good teams. Ken Palm Schmom, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, first of all, you, Iowa wasn't going to play Illinois in the first round or in the second round. That's just they've avoided rematches that early in the tournament. So yeah. with UCLA or Arkansas or Providence, well, I think you can make a case for Iowa being able to, to compete against any of them. But, uh, you know, look, Providence, uh, that's a team that two weeks ago, if you said you could play them around, you'd say, uh-oh, they got beat bad once. It happened. And if they got beat, knowing that they were solidly in the NCAA tournament with a high seed, whereas Creighton needed the win. So, yeah. you know, there's that. That's another great point there. And Creighton did themselves a favor there with that win. Oh, yeah, so it's, too. yeah, and a nine seed, too, which, you know, is probably better than people were thinking before they got to Madison Square Garden. Yeah, good, good team, good league. The Atlantic 10, where Richmond is from, good basketball league. You, you look in Iowa, you don't pay much attention to it, don't hear much about it, but look at some of the schools in that. They're schools with basketball pedigree. Uh, yeah. 
Davidson has been a sensational program dating back to when Steph Curry was freshman. Uh, really great win for Richmond to beat Davidson. Yeah. Uh, Iowa played Davidson in the NCAA tournament several years ago. In fact. Uh, yeah, and Dayton, too. Yeah, yeah. They, you know, I can name, you know, go down the list. St. Louis, etc. So, you know, there's plenty of respect. I Just because we don't, our heads aren't full of information about some of these teams. They're in the NCAAs because they're excellent teams. And, uh, you know, Hey, if, if Iowa, if the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee was actually diligent <laughs> and incorporated Sunday's results, Iowa would have been a four seed. Uh, instead, yeah. of, instead of, you know, but they hurry up to get their brackets ready for TV as soon as that Iowa game was over, when poof, the brackets are on TV. Uh, Iowa should have been a four with that win over Purdue, but let's say it had been a four. It would have caught South Dakota State in the first round instead of Richmond. And I'm here to tell you South Dakota State's better. So maybe that five seed kind of in a backwards kind of inverted way maybe helped out the Hawkeyes a little bit. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And uh, you're going to hear it. You probably already heard it. It's the, they say it every year. It's, it's like you say it and you sound like some wise man, I guess. Uh, five seeds always lose to 12 seeds. Well, uh, it's the reason that people say that is because it's almost true. I, I looked it up, and in 31 of the last 36 years, at least one five seed is one. And I believe it was in 2019, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, 12 seeds is one. And in 2019, three of the four 12 seeds won, and I think the other five seeds won by one point. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. Now, looking way ahead, I've seen a lot of kind of national pundits putting Iowa pretty far deep into the tournament, whether that's even Final Four predictions. Do you see this team having what it takes to be a Final Four team? Uh, That's not where my money would go. Uh, but I, I don't discount the possibility. Uh, they went to Michigan and won. They went to Ohio State and won. They thrashed Michigan State. Uh, they, they, they eventually took out Rutgers and were clearly the better team in that game. And Rutgers is a quality team this year. It's not the Rutgers from five years ago. They're an NCAA tournament team that has beaten a lot of good teams, including Iowa in January. Uh, Indiana, Iowa beat Saturday in a really good game. Indiana's a good team. They play tonight as you're taping them in the NCAA tournament. If you saw that Iowa-Indiana game, you said to yourself, Indiana's a good team. And then Sunday, Iowa defeats Purdue, which going into the Big Ten tournament, I despite the fact that Wisconsin and Illinois were co-champs in the regular season, I think that I was in the majority opinion that Purdue's got the best team in the Big Ten. Uh, now I say Iowa's got the best team in the Big Ten. That doesn't mean 
teams right now in the NCAA tournament, but I'm telling you that Iowa is the team playing the best basketball of any Big Ten team, and I don't think that that's, that's being controversial or being overly, <laughs> uh, you know, nonsensical. They're just playing the best. They've won 12 of their last 14 against Big Ten opposition. That's a number. That's a fact. So, but they did it by climbing over a lot of excellent teams. So that when you say to yourself Providence or maybe Kansas in the Sweet 16, and if you want to take it another step further, either Auburn or Wisconsin or a surprise team in the Elite Eight, there isn't anybody that Iowa is going to fear uh, because it knows it can play with anybody. Now the question is, will it go do it? And we'll find that out starting Thursday afternoon. Uh, yeah. You know, I think you got that right. Thursday afternoon. <laughs> All right. So I didn't get the freeway right that you were driving on, but I'm one for two now. Well, don't don't kid yourself. You're you're a long way from fifty percent. <laughs> well, thanks for joining me. Of course. And we're safe cool. travels. One, we're coworkers. <laughs> and Not you. Like- Am I allowed to say this? Hawk off the press. You're covering Iowa State this week. I am. Yes. A little ironic there for the Hawkeyes reporter to be on Cyclone coverage. But yeah. you know, I'll be familiar with the arena. I've covered probably 30, 40 games in that arena since it opened in what year is that? 2018. Yeah, 2018. So I'm on familiar turf. Well, you must have studied it intensely. Is Iowa State going to give LSU a game? I think so, and I think it helps that LSU is in a bit of turmoil with their head coach being fired, so I think that helps. I think it's kind of a matter of... I mean, mean, John, how many times have you told me you would love it if your boss got fired? Yeah, that's a good point. Every time I talk to you, you're telling me this. I wish my boss would get fired. I wish my boss would get fired. (laughs) I did not say this, especially if said editor is tuning in. You know, Mike has a great sense of creativity right now. I always say, John, 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 what are you saying? Are you out of your mind? Settle down. And you just go more and more off the rails. And frankly, it's hard to have a, a civil discussion with. (laughs) <laughs> I deny all of these things. Yeah, you know, and that's I am innocent you. until proven guilty. This denial frightens me. It's like, are are you unaware or are you a pathological liar? I, it's, so, <laughs> it's, it's terrifying. <laughs> and that maniacal laugh you have when I tell you this only makes it worse. <laughs> I'm not helping my case here. So, I think Iowa State, though, you know, they play a good defensive team or good defensive brand of basketball. I look at the turnovers they have forced. I think that's a good sign for them. And I think a lot of their losses, Grand, they've had some bad losses. Obviously, the 31-point loss to Texas Tech. Okay, that's pretty bad. 
the 53 to 36 loss at home to Oklahoma State. A decent team, but still, that's a bad loss. But I also look at it, and they lost by five to Baylor earlier this year. And you know, there were some I, other close games in there. They didn't look like an NCAA tournament team to me. And I don't know. I mean, uh, there have been history is full of teams that came into the tournament seemingly bottomed out that just rose from the ashes and made serious trouble. And I'd be interested to see if they can do that. Yeah. I don't think we're going to be talking much about them beyond Friday. I think playing possibly if they beat LSU, which is a big if, then they play Wisconsin in Milwaukee, which will probably turn into Cole Center East. Yeah. Of course it will, but Wisconsin team that you can stay close to also. Yeah, that helps. Yeah. But I think that environment, you know. And I see Wisconsin, and I don't see a Sweet 16 team, but then you look at all the good teams Wisconsin beat, and you look at the uh, the teams in front of them in Milwaukee, and I I don't know how they lose them. Yeah, that was my thinking when I was filling in the bracket is, okay, I guess I'm putting them in the Sweet 16 because the other options are LSU, which granted, to LSU's credit, they've played great defense this year. But kind of like Iowa State, it's gone a little choppy since the change in year. So, you know... But... but, uh... An Iowa-Wisconsin regional final in Chicago would be slightly extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's going to some big doing from both of them, but the, the bracket's laid out for it. Yeah, and I think Kansas is a really good team, and I think okay. that's probably where Iowa is going to run into some trouble. But, you know... But what you to earlier, John, is that there are, there's a, there's a percentage of these national dudes who are picking Iowa to go to the Final Four. Yeah. Uh, um, I think more of, Kansas has the most, and Auburn is the second most. Auburn's the number two seed. But nobody's saying Wisconsin. Nobody's saying Providence. But there are several people, uh, well-known national basketball media people, we're picking Iowa to go to New Orleans. No, and that doesn't happen every day, obviously. Uh, it hasn't happened since the 1980s. Before I was even alive. To make me feel even younger. On it's this. about you, isn't it? <laughs> my God. <laughs> You're a precious child, my friend. <laughs> But you know, it'll be an interesting you, bracket. Um, you know, uh, I'm sure the gas prices, it's all about you. <laughs> so, you know, it, the world just revolves around me. I get it. Yeah. yeah. We're all starting to Okay, John. <laughs> well, uh, enjoy Milwaukee. Uh, you'll probably know your way around up there, I assume. 
Yeah, I think I'm aware of a couple of good restaurants to eat. I think I'll probably be able to navigate my way around the arena. So I know to pick up the water bottles from the fridge after the game because the arena staff likes to lock it up right away. That, so. that, 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 that's that's uh, so anyway, <laughs> I'll, I'll, uh, I'll see you somewhere sometime. Yes, and safe travels. Um, good luck dealing with the stress of O'Hare that you usually don't have to deal with when you get to fly out of the Eastern Iowa airport. Yes, and okay, thanks again yeah. for our listeners for tuning in to another episode. I'll be back with another episode next week. Until then, we will talk Hawks later. Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.